This is Cruise Control. Control. Your on-air automotive magazine with co-hosts Fred Staub and Les Jackson. Control. Everything you need to know about new and used cars. Control. Industry news. We'll fix or repair your car on the air. Control. Fasten your seatbelts and let us take the wheel. Now, your ride is about to begin. Control. Because you're on Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Cruise Control. That's right. Your ride is about to begin. Whoa, it's already begun. Well, welcome to Cruise Control Radio, everyone. I'm Fred Staub at the wheel, the cruise control van. The steering wheel is turned all the way to the right, but we're going straight. Small problem. We'll have to look into that, Les, don't you think? Yeah, well, you know, I really need to put that uh, cotter pin back in the steering shaft. Maybe you get an alignment, too, I think. And that's Les Jackson yeah. over there in the, uh, well, we call it the newsroom. It's actually a milk crate that he's sitting on. And yes. It's... You've got a lot of information, automotive news, don't you? We do. and We do. In fact, I'm sitting on some of it because one of the bores is cracked. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that doesn't matter because uh, we've, we've got plenty to talk about, like mm-hmm. is the U.S. falling behind China when it comes to autonomous driving development? One company says yes. I happen to believe that. Yeah, it's interesting, too. They're talking about car-to-car communication and how... We're kind of stuck in the past on what we're uh, what we want to do. Well, we'll talk about that. It's kind of a tech type thing. How did the new Chevy Blazer become a political football? And what Chevy model might be facing the axe? Yes, another sedan might be facing the axe, Les Jackson. <laughs> there aren't many left. No, <laughs> trees been and, trimmed uh... pretty heavily. That's right, and uh, this is a little nostalgic for me, this next story, because I grew up in southeast D.C., <laughs> where uh, we, we had a saying in our neighborhood, we could strip a car before the light changed. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the story is, what are the most stolen vehicles in America? Wow, okay, we'll have a list of those. And Dodge is having a horsepower sale. Who doesn't like some, you know... Priced, well-priced horsepower, right? Absolutely. So uh, that's that's you know you want you want horsepower per dollar. Horsepowers, as as our uh, German uh, friends uh, say, horsepowers. Horsepowers. <laughs> that's right. And we're going to talk tech. Yep. Uh, this hour, it's uh, this time Indy cars go hybrid. Yeah, pretty cool uh, why system. Not? Yeah, why not at all? And uh, we'll talk about that and how it will affect racing it might make it a lot more exciting we'll talk about that plus nissan prices out the versa sedan some pretty tasty prices well under twenty thousand dollars but what do you get for that we'll talk talk about that right absolutely but it's a real bargain mm-hmm. and we'll have an at the wheel review of the mitsubishi eclipse cross se all that and more when we get rolling on this edition of cruise control radio we'd love to get rolling And we'd love you to roll over and check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. You can do that by going over to CruiseControlRadio.com. You want to go directly to our Facebook page, which is just Cruise Control Radio. Find us, like us, a lot of good stuff up there. We appreciate it. I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. We will be right back on Cruise Control Radio. That's the show you're listening to, and we're glad you're listening. So buckle up. Plenty more to go.
Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Lesson, Fred. We're rolling in the van while we're sort of sliding. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> Bumping that right along. front wheel is just kind of skidding. It's not crabbing anymore. Isn't that what they call uh, crabbing? It's crabbing. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a case of both understeer and oversteer <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah. But, but. Uh, enough of that, because we're going to be talking about future, and the future includes uh, autonomous cars, mm -hmm. and you get lots and lots of stories about it all the time, mm -hmm. uh, but big stories that uh, we don't see much here, uh, and I stay abreast of this, being in D.C., uh, is where the other countries are, and China is rapidly getting ahead of us in the V to V, which is vehicle to vehicle communications area, which is very necessary for autonomous cars. And and frankly, this is a technology that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, and if it was around, not just self-driving cars, level five self-driving cars where you just sit back and read a book or whatever, but just to, to utilize the safety equipment that's becoming standard in many cases on cars, pedestrian safety, uh, crash mitigation, all that, if the cars could talk to each other and say, oh, he's coming up to the intersection, well, and, and the brakes are put on the other car or somebody walks out in front of a car, the brakes would be put on, uh, you know, maybe it even communicates with your phone so it knows someone's there. This technology, right. it's not the big step, of self-driving cars, level five, but it is certainly a safety uh, step that could be used. Um, we, we talked about this for years on Cruise Control Radio. Our standard that we've been trying to go use uses like a Wi-Fi, right? Like a, a, That's right. a, a localized Wi-Fi. China uh, is using 5G. They were going to standardize 5G uh, for vehicles to talk to one another. Now, we're just rolling out 5G. Other countries have had it for a while, I imagine, right? Or are rolling it out much faster. I don't know if they have it they already. They are rolling it out much faster. Uh, we we are just so slow because we have so many conflicting interests mm -hmm. uh, in the companies that are, that are providing these things or not providing them. Mm -hmm. We just had a, a thing in New York where, you know, the repack, what they call the repack uh, on TV, where they moved, uh, you know, some of the uh, wireless companies bought parts of the spectrum where TV used to be and the stations had to move frequencies. So we're just getting those frequencies available to do some of these things like V to V or who knows what else. Um, but in China, they're, they're looking to standardize this for vehicles, the 5G, and you think about it, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, cars now have Wi-Fi in them, and this is I think this is something that could be done pretty quickly. But we are sticking with the Wi-Fi standard, which might not be as good, right? Well, that's right. It isn't as good mm -hmm. because it's too local. It's called DSRC, uh, and it's been called just good enough. That's always that's always what I want in anything. Just good enough. <laughs> Uh, but exactly. well, Qualcomm is raising this. Qualcomm is raising this specter of us falling behind, and we still haven't made a decision on the standard for vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication. Once again, this could be brought out pretty quickly. Problem is, though, 
it's not going to be retrofittable, is it? It won't be, no. And and that's the problem. The car companies have to build this into the architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, even if it was to, say, magically appear and we agreed on a standard and next year all cars would speak to each other, you still have uh, a lot of older cars out there. I mean, maybe that's the thing to do to make it retrofittable, uh, at least in the sense that the cars, other cars would know you're coming and would somehow know you don't have crash mitigation or you can't control your brakes, so they would brake. Maybe that's, maybe that's something that is sort of like an easy pass on your, uh, on your, de- on your windshield. Maybe that's a possibility, you know? Yeah, because uh, before the level five is reached, the, the, uh, all of the cars will have to talk to each other. Yeah, it, it won't work. Uh, it won't work without it. it, it just... That's right. And, uh, and also the uh, GPS system has to be remapped to an accuracy of one centimeter. Which will take a long time, won't it? That's right. Right now, it's plus or minus 18 inches. So when will we see level five complete self-driving cars in an in an open situation, a highway situation? You're asking uh, 2030. Wow. Okay. That's what the that's what the mobility people who meet here every year uh, from all the different countries are are saying. That's kind of where it is. All right. Well, we'll be back with more cruise control after this. We'll talk about the Chevy Blazer as a political football and the most stolen vehicles in America on Cruise Control Radio. Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. Fred Staub, Les Jackson, at the wheel of the cruise control van, skating around and checking out all the latest news about cars and trucks and all kinds of vehicles. Don't forget to check us out over at our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. You can do all that by going to cruisecontrolradio.com. It's got links there on the homepage. That is going in for a rebuild soon less going to do a resto mod <laughs> we're going to drop yep. an ls engine into it and get it ready to rock on right absolutely and we're going to have a two-speed transmission <laughs> power glide we're going top of the line <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is interesting you know weird bits of bipartisanship come out and and in this case it looks like the Chevy Blazer has become a political football. I know a lot of people that are not happy about the Chevy Blazer in many ways for many reasons. One is a friend of mine that was waiting for the Blazer to come out again because he's got one of the square Blazers, which he drives with no doors. You know, he puts the pipe doors on in summer and takes the roof off. And this Blazer is sort of... um. The current one is sort of a standard crossover that's sort of trying to masquerade as a Camaro a little bit, right? It uses a lot of it. Yeah, I, I think it's rather attractive. Rather attractive, sporty, but here's the problem. It's ticked off both the Republicans and the Democrats, and it has to do with the Blazer being built in Mexico and the shutdown of the plant in Janesville, Wisconsin, uh, where the old Blazer used to be built. And, uh, you know, Chevy put this up uh, somewhere at a uh, ball field 
um, uh, the home of the Detroit uh, Tigers in their baseball stadium. They took it down because uh, union auto workers found out about it and said, this is disgusting. It's, it's showing a vehicle that was once built in the U.S. and it's no longer built there. Uh, the president has made uh, this a political issue, as well as many of the Democrats running for president. Uh, so uh, do you think this will affect sales of this vehicle? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of being battered from all sides, isn't it? It is, and um, uh, there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, who, who still are devoted to, uh, you know, I only bear, I only buy American. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think it's going to matter with this. Uh, once they stop talking about it, people will forget about it, mm-hmm. and they'll go to their dealers, and because you know people don't pay attention to where, yeah, only for where anything's while. built. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand. It's a new vehicle, and if sales don't take off right away, sometimes that can linger, can it? Well, it can. Bad launches yeah. like the uh, Pacifica, well, not the current Pacifica, but the one that was a crossover. Remember, they did Celine Dion. They spent all kind of money, and it was a horrible launch. They couldn't really explain it. Same thing for the uh, Volt. They couldn't explain what it was. <laughs> That's right. That was a terrible launch. And I think that kind of, hurt the vehicle for the rest of its life you know um it, when you have a, a kind of a, a a bumpy launch now i don't know what sales are of the blazer right now i have frankly not seen a lot around on the road um but uh you know we'll have to see what this does and if it continues on if people continue to talk about it in the debates if people continue to talk about it as you know um maybe uh, a, a sore spot. I mean, they shouldn't have put it up in the baseball stadium. I don't think that was a no. good, good idea, you know. Um, but, uh, and then you have the people that are just upset, which happens a lot when an SUV that was formerly, formerly like a, 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 a very capable off-road vehicle and gets put on a vehicle that is just a, another crossover, uh, you know, that, that upsets some people too. But as you say, a lot of this goes away with time. We'll, we'll have to see. Time will tell, Les Jackson. Well, that's right. Um, but the fact is, um, t- well, times are changing, but um, they always, they, things always do come back in many ways. All right. Unless your vehicle is stolen. Which is our next that, story. In that case, it may not. It may not come back, and it may come back in parts and pieces, right? That's true. I leave mine unlocked in the hopes that it will be stolen. <laughs> take this no free. No takers. It, you put a sign on it, take this free. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, the HLDI, I have to find out what that means. It is an affiliate of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. We know about them, the HLDI. I'm not sure what that stands for. I have to find that. I don't, I don't, I don't either. I don't quite. Oh, Highway Loss Data Institute. There it is. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Uh, the two vehicles most likely to be stolen are Envelope Please, Les. Yes, indeed. Well, this Here uh, it is. Not a surprise. The Dodge Charger Hemi and Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat. <laughs> How yep. about that? Well, of course. Uh, and along with the Infinity Q50, 
That's a bit of a surprise. They have claim rates for whole vehicle theft that are more than five times the average for the 2016-2018 models. Now, the Hellcat, they just want to take it out and go crazy in it, don't they? Yeah, they joyriding. Mm-hmm. Uh, nearly all of the top 20 most stolen models have large engines or are luxury vehicles or pickups. High-dollar things, right? Yep. Um, so Matt Moore, the Institute's senior vice president, said better security features on all vehicles would be the best way to address the problem. Now, the Escalade dominated the most stolen rankings, but they've, they've upgraded the security on that, and it no longer is on the list. This is interesting because the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety set standards, crash standards, and the manufacturers follow it. Do you see, think we'll ever see a most stolen, uh, you know, ranking on on stickers, on window stickers, on Monroney's? Uh, I, I don't think so. And the reason I don't is because if I were marketing a particular vehicle like a Hellcat, I like the fact that it's one of the most stolen. Because <laughs> it means it's a hot because car. Because that makes people realize, boy, that's, you know, that's a car. Yeah, In demand. Everybody, that car's so cool and neat that people are stealing it. I want one. Interestingly, now, the least stolen on the list is a BMW 3 Series four-door sedan, followed huh. by Tesla's Model S and Model X. Interesting. That is interesting. Uh, now, again, they do say that, uh, especially the Teslas, they're usually parked in garages. Yeah, they're being charged up. Uh, and, you know, if you got in one and it had like two miles left, you wouldn't. That's right. You, you need to plan your escape route. Of course, you know what the best, the best uh, system for uh, preventing your car from being stolen is or truck. Uh, a stick shift and a choke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's your that is your anti theft system because people won't know how to drive it. There's been many cases of carjacking where the guy gets in, you know, the owner runs off, and he goes to start the car and he can't start it because it's a manual. I find yep. that pretty funny, actually. That is it? funny. <laughs> so. But if you're looking to buy one of the most stolen cars, Dodge has a deal for you. This is our deal of the week. Uh, and they have horsepower on sale. Power dollars, they're calling this incentive. And starting August 1st, the automaker is getting enthusiasts into its showroom by offering a $10 per, ho per horsepower discount on certain models, including the 2019 Challenger, the 2019 Charger, and the 2019 Dodge Durango. So if you buy a 500-horsepower car, you're ben you benefit from a $5,000 discount. I'll tell you a little bit more about this when we come back. Les, I, I see you have your wallet out, so. Yep. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll tell you about that power discount some more. We're going to talk tech about hybrid indie cars. Price out the Nissan Versa sedan and do an at-the-wheel review of the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. So stay tuned to Cruise Control. We'll be right back. And you may find yourself behind the 
Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Lesson Fred, we're rolling. We were talking before the break about uh, the discounts. Power dollars. Power dollars. I'm willing to take that. $10 per horsepower. So if you buy uh, a Challenger Hellcat Red Eye, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 797 horsepower, you get almost an $8,000 discount. That's beefy, isn't it? That's pretty good. Yeah. But if you buy a $40 car, what do you get? $40 uh, 40 horsepower car, you get a $4 discount. Yeah, well, for the van, for the cruise control van here, we would uh, we get well, I don't know, eighty cents. Mm. Well, at the other end of the spectrum, if you buy a Charger SXT powered by a three point six liter V six rated at two ninety two, the eligible uh, rebate is two thousand nine twenty. These are pretty good rebates, though, all around, aren't they? It is pretty good rebate. Uh, so. Power dollars to boost sales, clear out the remaining 2019 models. That's our deal of the week. So if you, you, you're you interested in any of those vehicles, check out uh, your FCA dealer, right? Your Dodge dealer. Only your Absolutely. Dodge dealer. Absolutely. is a great time to buy to buy cars from now until November. It's they want really to, good to get rid of these uh, model year cars. They want to move them out. Move them out. Move that metal, right? Who wants move who's, it out? Who's got a pen? <laughs> That's right. What do we need to do to put you in the driver's seat? Uh, can I get your business today? <laughs> Are you buying today? Yeah, I love that. That's but, right. Yeah. Well, anyway. What, what, what size monthly payment can you make? Yeah, it's all about the payments, even if you pay it for, <laughs> for 25 years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, you want to talk a little tech? You seem like a man that likes to talk tech, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, Interesting news this week. Kind of a surprise because the engine setup was supposed to run for a number of years yet. uh, The traditional engine setup for IndyCar with Chevrolet and Honda. Um, I believe it was to run to 2026. You know, kind of they, they had it mapped out. But now... They're announcing for 2022, uh, they are going to go hybrid IndyCar racing with both Chevrolet and Honda engines. Uh, And um, the hybrid system will work in parallel with the internal combustion engines from Honda and Chevy. And uh, the traditional power plants uh, will produce, when together, will produce in excess of 900 horsepower for wow. more competitive racing in the series. So it will consist of a, um, a multi-phase motor, inverter, and electric storage device that will create energy recovery from the car's braking system. So when they go to pass, push to pass, as they call it, uh, this energy from the hybrid system will be uh, discharged, and you'll get a, big, a, big, a lot more power when you push to pass. Uh, yeah, I mean, 900 horsepower in these Indy cars, which weigh less than 2,000. Yep, very aerodynamic, very skinny. Yep, that's going to be some serious acceleration. This is an interesting thing, too. Uh, the driver will have the ability to, because of this hybrid system, uh, restart the car quickly should it stall on the track. Hmm. Because, really, don't they have to use an external starter? I'm not sure. They... Uh, no, not anymore, but, but, um, you know, it's the, well, wait a minute. 
I, I take that back. I think they are using an external starter for Indy. In the old days, they had a starter with some, with somebody you know muscled in, and it had a shaft that went into the back of the car, uh, and I guess it fit over like a square or you know multi pronged uh, connector, and you just jammed it back in there. You hit the starter button, the guy turns on the fuel, and and that's how they did it. I know that's how they do it in drag racing. They put it on the snout of the blower. And there's like a square drive in there. You you uh, right. pull the trigger. You you dump fuel into the engine. The guy ignites it. It lights, and then you just you know yank it off the front of the car. Well, um, apparently they'll be able to restart cars that are stalled on the track. I would never want to be stalled on the track at IndyCar event, would you? I would be. That would that would be. A- Poor timing. Poor timing and uh, potentially involve a 200-mile-an-hour, uh, you know, rear-end accident, right? Yeah, which which um, is going to be a jolt. So this kind of is win-win. It will result in better racing. Um, it will result in uh, better passing. And uh, they're saying, uh, the IndyCar folks are saying, that it's great to tie in uh, with the uh, hybrids that both uh, GM and uh, Ford will be selling. I think that that linkage to the uh, you know showroom is a little bit loose in the case of uh, Indy IndyCar racing, don't you? Absolutely. I, actually, I think it's going to make it much more exciting. I, I think it will make it more exciting. Will it sell more cars? I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. I, no. I don't know if that still happens. Uh, let's talk about selling cars that are not all that expensive. Nissan has, has announced this week the pricing for the 2020 Versa. It's brand new. It is a very slick-looking car. I had a chance to sit in it a number of months ago at the New York Auto Show. It embraces uh, Nissan's intelligent mobility technology, inclu- including available Nissan Safety Shield 360, which means I don't think it comes standard on the car. I'm not quite sure about that. Um, it's available. Uh, no, available I, means you pay for it, at least in the lower trim levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has uh, three trim levels, uh, the S, which includes a five-speed manual or an Xtronic transmission, the SV, and the Sporty SR. So the pricing is for the S with a manual transmission, 14730 Boy, is that cheap. And that's much nicer than Mitsubishi's offering, which is very uh, bare bones and, and kind of old in design. So a Versa S for 14730 is not bad. The 1.6 Xtronic S, that's the base model, but with the automatic, is 16400 The SV uh, is uh, 17640 That only comes with the... Xtronic transmission and the Versa SR 1.6 is 18,240. Now, I don't have the option details here, uh, but uh, I know sitting in the car is, is pretty neat. And the Xtronic transmission is rated 32 city, 40 miles per gallon on the highway. The actually the five speed manual is rated at thirty five miles per gallon on the highway, so you take a little bit of a beating for the manual, right? Well, you do because nobody can drive a manual as efficiently uh, as an automatic. Mm-hmm. 
now. Now, the available Nissan Safety Shield, I don't know if we know how much it is, but certainly it's something you should get. It includes automatic braking, pedestrian detection, rear automatic braking, lane departure warning, high beam assist, blind spot warning, and rear cross-traffic alert. Uh, and it also includes things like intelligent driver alertness and intelligent cruise control. Uh, that, to me, would be on my option list. I don't know what it, what it costs. We'd have to find out. But if the car starts at eighteen two forty uh, or seventeen six forty, both of the the top models, uh, I'm sure you can get these things for well under twenty five thousand, probably in the in the twenty two twenty three range, right? Oh yes, definitely. I, I think uh, probably considerably less. Yeah. So uh, brand new model, pretty. Pretty cool, nice update. Has the uh, V Motion grill, the boomerang headlights. You know they brought it into the fold, uh, a D-shaped steering wheel, sort of a sort of a F1 inspired. If you you're getting F1 inspired in your Versa, um, not a lot of horsepower, but you don't really need it. One hundred and twenty-two yeah. horsepower, one hundred and fourteen pound-feet of torque. It's a car that makes sense, isn't it? It really does. I mean, this is this is the way to go if you're just looking for good, basic, reliable transportation. Yeah, and you can probably get Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in there, I'm sure. Um, and so it, you have your, your entertainment. Uh, it features standard Bluetooth hands-free phone system and streaming audio via Bluetooth with steering wheel controls. Uh, rear view monitor, Siri, eyes free. Uh, AM, FM audio system, four speakers, USB connection for other compatible uh, 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 devices, hands-free text message assistant. Uh, so it includes a lot of standard standard items, a seven-inch touchscreen. Uh, so, so there you have it. Um, totally reimagined, as they say, for 2020. We should say that for our website. It's going to be totally reimagined, right? Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, we're going to have more Cruise Control Radio coming up, including a review of the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross SE. So stay tuned to Cruise Control Radio. And don't forget, check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com, where you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Fred Staub, Les Jackson. We'll be right back. Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Well, speaking of new cars. Yeah. Because we do speak about new cars quite often. Uh, it's kind of a topic of conversation on Cruise Control Radio. It, That's true. It is. It is. And we also drive a bunch of new cars. And you are going to review one that you've been catching a little seat time in lately. I have. It's the 2019 Eclipse Cross SE 1.5 TSAWC from Mitsubishi Motors. Well, that's that's we're running out of the time. Uh, <laughs> thank so you. Thank I you hope very you enjoyed much for the review. giving us the title of the car. Yeah, it, I mean, th- what this is, it's a two-row crossover. It's kind of got some unique styling. Um, it it sits. The design makes it look like it's sitting very high. Uh, it ha- has a high waist in the back, I guess you would call it. 
the taillights are sort of like a, a check mark. If you want to see this, I put some pictures up on our uh, Cruise Control Radio Facebook page, and you can kind of cycle through them. You'll see what I'm talking about. Go on over to our Cruise Control Radio Facebook page. It's the first post up there. Um, you know, it's interesting. The As I say, a high waist, kind of a high a belt line for the car. But um, it kind of reminded me, those taillights, of Volvo, Volvos of uh, days gone by, you know, oh. uh, where the, the taillight is kind of like a check mark in the back. Um, it's got some nice styling lines on the side, sort of one that points down and one that points up. Uh, front end is a pretty traditional, uh, you know, certainly traditional uh, Mitsubishi. But out back is where things change. There is a uh, light uh, or reflector that goes across uh, the back window and divides it. Because it does have such a high waistline, uh, if you just left the rear window so high up there, it would be kind of hard for visibility. So what happens is it is divided by the taillights uh, where there's a flat piece of glass at the bottom and then this angle piece of glass at the top. And you get sort of a, uh, on, when you look at it in the rear view mirror, you will see a line across the back. It offers great visibility because you have that lower piece of glass, but then you also, every time you look in the rear view mirror, you will see that bar across the back hatch. Just like the uh, Honda Insight yeah. was. It's kind of the price of style, I would say. You know, up front is pretty traditional front end uh, that you would see on the Outlander. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of the corporate Mitsubishi front end. Um, but it was kind of a striking car because of that rear design. Uh, once again, the side windows, especially in the rear, on the rear doors, are kind of pinched in because the belt line goes up on an angle. Uh, on the inside, ours being the SE model, had cloth seats. It was kind of a nice... Nice uh, textured cloth. I have to say it was pretty cool. It, it gets the uh, SAWC all-wheel drive uh, system that you can change for various different um, terrains, I'll, say, I'll call it. You know, it has a snow setting and a mud setting, kind of similar to what we used to see in the Evo, uh, which was long ago uh, passed from the lineup in the Mitsubishi lineup, but of course might be coming back. On the inside, disappointingly, it had like a trackpad to navigate through the infotainment and that. Uh, you did get a home and a back button on the bottom and a direct button for uh, audio and one to go to apps. But trackpads <clears throat> are kind of outdated nowadays. They're, you're more inter interested in kind of uh, using your infotainment system just like you would use your phone with pushes with your fingers and pinches. Trackpad, I think Lexus and Mitsubishi might be the only two that still use it, which may, made it kind of outdated, unfortunately, to have, to have the trackpad in there. Um, let's talk about the power. Ours had a 1.5-liter direct-injected turbo engine. Not a big, powerful engine for sure, uh, but uh, it was decent enough to get it around town and could perform when you had to getting on highways and things like that. We did a mix of highway and local driving. Um, unfortunately, driving the Eclipse Cross is sort of a disconnected experience. The uh, electric power steering seems over-boosted or somehow 
very, very, very light in feedback. And the suspension uh, is a little bit soft, uh, which means when you go around corners, it's a little bit floppy, let's just say, you know, and I felt like I wasn't really connected with the vehicle in any way. The, the transmission is a CVT. It does have a sport mode and has an eight-step sport mode, so it's simulated gear shifts here. Um, standard features, halogen headlights, fog lights, LED daylight, uh, daytime running lights. Uh, it uh, had uh, what they call high contrast meters, which just means you could see the gauges. Six-way adjustable driver's seat, heated front seats, although they were fabric-covered. They call it high-grade fabric covering, which I think was kind of nice. Uh, a split fold-down rear seat that did not really go down all the way flat. Uh, it had a 7-inch smartphone uh, thin display audio system with touchpad controller. Did have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto capability, which is good. Um, steering wheel audio controls, uh, you're getting a pretty good value here, uh, for this type of thing. Uh, for anti-theft, it had, uh, anti-lock, uh, it had, uh, anti-theft system. Uh, it also had anti-lock braking, electronic, uh, parking brake, traction control, logic, active stability control, hill start assist, blind spot warning, and lane change assist. Uh, this did not come with crash mitigation to the best of my... Uh, knowledge here on this um, and uh, what it does come with besides a full tank of gas uh, and uh, we did pop for the optional accessory tonneau cover which was 190 bucks and the uh, carpeted floor mats um, the uh, MSRP was 26695 total equipment was uh, additional equipment was 325 for those floor mats and that tonneau cover uh, bringing it to 27,020, you add in the destination handling, which is now pretty much standard across the board, $1,000. Total MSRP, $28,015. Good thing is you get a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Um, so 10, 100,000 on powertrain, 7, 100,000 anti-corrosion, 5, 60,000 on uh, a limited vehicle warranty and five-year unlimited roadside uh, assistance, which is really good, and a lot of people probably don't know about it. The MPGs, we did a little bit better than this, uh, but they are not outstanding. 26 on the highway, 25 on the city. I saw about 28 on the highway, which is okay. I mean... Not uh, too not, impressive, though. Not too impressive. Um and this is the second year of production for this Eclipse Cross. Of course, the Eclipse was their sports car, but they have uh, brought it in as a crossover. Um, it's kind of okay, you know, but there are other ca cars that cost more, other vehicles that cost more, like the Honda CRV and a couple of others that might be worth, it might be worth spending on. I mean, it is just okay. Uh, the, the negative of this vehicle is it's, it's kind of a disconnected driving experience, which I haven't found in many vehicles lately. Um, most of them feel a little bit firmer on the road. This has a little bit too much give in the suspension, and um, it has electric power steering that is not really dialed in. It's not does not you, you just don't get enough feedback for this. Um, it has not been tested for uh, safety rating yet, so we don't have anything. 
as far as uh, safety on it, but uh, it's just okay. It does have a great uh, it does have a great powertrain warranty, and I do like the five year unlimited roadside assistance. But uh, also, this the styling may be a little polarizing with that uh, that rear hatch. But something to check out. I'm sure you can get a great deal in it for sure. And uh, that is the 2019 Eclipse Cross SE 1.5 Turbo S all-wheel drive. We appreciate you listening to Cruise Control Radio. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. Time for me to say I'm Fred Staub. I'm Les Jackson. We'll see you down the road. <laughs>